0: Hello, and welcome to Insurance Times' Insurance 2025 podcast, looking ahead at the event in September. I'm Kimberly Dondo, and today we have our advisory board members debating whether AI can be seen as morally reprehensible.
1: Hi, I'm Saxon East, uh, content director of Insurance Times. I'm obviously following all these parts of innovation, very close to the Insurance Times, getting lots of information through, I email, speak to people, so I thought I could bring to the party a bit of what I'm seeing at Insurance Times in the media aspect.
2: Uh, I'm Nick Pester, Head of Insurance and <coughs> InsurTech at Capital Law. Uh, we're seeing the innovation piece from, from both sides of the divide, I guess. So we work with insurtech companies um, on a variety of legal and regulatory issues to get them to market. And on the insurance side, we are close to a lot of innovation teams who we try and introduce to our tech clients where we see obvious synergies.
3: I'm Matt Connolly. I'm CEO of Tolts Ventures. Uh, we have a, a platform called Sonar, which tracks everything that's taking place within the insurtech marketplace. So it's the innovation within AI and machine learning that we're looking at today, all the way through to what the corporates are doing and who is innovating. Okay,
0: great. So this is kind of a part of our debate series and we want to kind of go more into machine learning and seeing where it is in the industry at the moment. Um, So, but it doesn't seem like there's been much of an uptake or it's taken a while. For the uptake to begin, it's, it seems to be we're like lagging behind, you know, the U.S. and Asian
3: market. Why do you think that is? Uh, so first of all, I'd, I'd say um, on a global basis, insurance is lagging behind, yeah, full stop. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, we can dive into territories in a sec. But um, in part, I think because of uh, the structure of the data, how it's uh, contained, it's it's an industry that has. Um, not needed to or certainly fail to innovate uh, and evolve and keep up to date with with trends, um, full stop. Um, Part of that is uh, because they've created um, processes and systems that are designed to print money and haven't needed to uh, evolve. Uh, Part of that is uh, because as businesses, they um, are built on incredibly old legacy systems which um, haven't been able to uh, have new technology applied on top of them. As a result, datas uh, all over the place and uh, for AI uh, to be layered on top of uh, anything has to be good quality ideally structured data well that's not necessarily true uh, so much now um, and uh, insurance Companies have have failed there. On a geographic uh, perspective, and certainly in the UK, I think we're we're picking up pace um, again, and I'm sure we'll uh, chat through uh, very few case studies out there um, of decent application of AI, let alone machine learning. Um, and certainly, it's interesting when you're looking at the uh, the Asian markets, in particular,ly interesting for me, where AI is uh, is getting taught in various schools out there. Off uh, to China later in the year, which I can't wait to immerse ourselves into what is going on uh,
2: because they will certainly be driving the way. I think the US is still uh, where it's at at the moment for the time being. I think actually, I completely agree with what Matt has said around the uh, unstructured nature of the data. You know, one of the common conversations that we had with insurers was actually around, obviously, GDPR. Um, That was perhaps uh, kind of the impetus that a lot of the industry needed to organise, get their houses in order, really, as far as data is concerned. Um, It's kind of a double-edged sword, really, GDPR, because on the one hand, it... it it means that these companies are being driven now to organise their data in a a more orderly way. But, of course, it raises particular issues around AI machine learning, which makes regulated markets in particular quite um, wary. Um, But but I also agree that the insurance market as a whole has just been... Um, slower than most, really, when it comes to innovation. Um, banking's obviously, you know, two or three stages ahead, really, in terms of fintech of where 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 insurtech is now. Um, so it is a cultural issue, I, suspo- I suppose, more as much as anything else. Um, Probably driven from the London market outwards. I mean, the you know, London market is a very, a very kind of much a people market. Um, there's a great side to that as well, which we all enjoy. Um, but it does also mean that it is very much people driven, you know, rather than necessarily data driven.
1: From what I'm seeing, speak to people in the market. It has taken a bit of time for insurance to fully embrace machine learning but I'm definitely sensing major enthusiasm for the big insurers you can see that by some of the way the events are packed out they want to learn the latest tools they want to want learn the latest techniques and I think what you're beginning to see is something quite interesting I think some of the major insurers which have scale and have money are actually already using machine learning to some degree or other mm-hmm. but I think for some of the smaller MGAs some of the maybe smaller insurers or middle sized insurers with you know, legacy systems, with systems that haven't been replaced, I think they potentially face getting left behind to some of the larger insurers with scale who have currently invested in machine learning. I think that is the potential threat out there for some of those MGAs, those middle-sized insurers who haven't invested in machine learning. I think they're exposed at the moment. I think they're going to need to catch up fast.
3: I think um, taking that a little bit further, you, you've got a really interesting time. Full stop. I appreciate we're here to talk um, about machine learning in particular, but right now in the marketplace, you're going to see that um, uh, dissection of the market. Uh, you know, there, there are the Munich Rees out there, for example, who are investing in insuretech across the board and are almost disintermediate, disintermediating the insurance play. And you've got a number of businesses that are. are building tech ecosystems to support that, whether, again, around the AI or other, uh, that are are leading the way. And not only are they going to leave these others behind, but, you know, they they will either be swallowed up into those uh, those ventures um, or simply just disappear. And so I think right now we've got that. um, You know, there's that kind of rhetoric around... Disrupt or to be disrupted, or innovate or die, and I appreciate we've moved on from there. Hopefully, by a couple of years, Um, but there's a real dissection at the moment that we're we're seeing the big players pouring money into this stuff, uh, and the small uh, businesses being left behind.
1: You can see historically how insurers who weren't up to date with the technology, who weren't didn't have a good understanding, technology really paid the price. Absolutely. I mean, you look at aggregators. You know, there's winner's curse, which is well known. Coming at the top of aggregator, getting the cheapest price, you often get the worst Mm -hmm. risk. But there were yeah. guys out there, and Henry Car was a great advocate advocate, at Admiral, you know, who was very wary of that, and Admiral had very good results because they knew about these things before other insurers. Well, that's a great example. If you're not up to date with the technology, and not up to date with what's going on. Mm. You will begin to mm. get bad business. You will begin to get bad risks. You will begin to see an erosion of your profitability.
2: I think it's just a question of you st- staying still. You don't obviously you 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 get picked off. When I mean, you look at uh, not to be unfair and fairly selected, but say something like somebody like Novi, for example, a very traditional syndicate, very traditional business, very traditional lines. Probably didn't put their head above the parapet as much as they perhaps should on the innovation front. Of course, they've now folded. Into access, so you know that that kind of thing I think will increasingly happen over the yep. next 12 months. I think there'll be an awful lot more consolidation, without a doubt, within the market. Munich Re are a really good example because not only their benefits they have both the direct and the reinsurance aspect. So actually they can reap the reinsurance side can invest directly into these insured sets, and the direct side of the business can actually use some of these tools to to sell into the market. So um, they've got kind of perfect spread, really Munich Re. And it's amazing. I mean, we don't want to go off too much of a tangent, but. It- it's amazing you mentioned
1: Munich Re I think that's a great example because it is amazing how much of a threat people see Munich Re potentially uh, to insurers just they've got the massive capacity they can handle yep. it out and handle the risk absolutely yeah. essentially what they are is their capacity providers to all the innovators out there mm-hmm. um, doing their business and that is a threat to traditional
3: insurance yep. um, so it's really interesting times going on but I'm sorry extending that, and that I know so uh, what the audience hasn't got. We, we've got a series of questions that we're trying to get through, and, and yeah. we're still on question of one. But there's a, there's a really, so we, um, we were briefed in by a client recently to look at AI and ML, uh, in particular, sort of who are the ventures doing interesting things, who could we partner mm-hmm. up with, who could we maybe invest in yeah. or acquire. Uh, and actually, uh, the more we got involved in their business, the more that actually what they needed, rather than that sort of uh, disruptive innovation piece, is actually understanding how their data is structured. And and the piece of innovation they're doing is, is identifying now who is the OCR. Partner that can scan in their documents to create data. It's like so backward. You have some, you know, some bleeding edge insurance companies that are driving the way in innovation. You've got these other guys who yep. are trying to just catch up with today. Yep. And by the time they do, they're going to be outplayed and outmaneuvered. Mm. Yeah.
0: So, uh, what types of applications are currently being used? What, what kind of uh, machine learning applications are kind of the most popular, I guess, in the market?
3: So, again, um, what we're seeing is uh, clients using this across an entire value chain. So, it might be um, applied to uh, pricing all the way through to claims, their uh, claims. Um, and, in fact, I'd say, uh, so, last year, I think it's one of your, uh, the Insurance Times uh, claims innovation uh, businesses or rewards um uh, that went down was uh, was WPA the health insurer um, mm-hmm. yeah. and so they um, it's, and it's a really great case because there, there are so very few um, yep. uh, within the UK um, <laughs> and so they uh, they created a, a piece of technology called DLOS and, yeah. and uh, across that it applied uh, artificial intelligence and then they moved into uh, machine learning and then deep learning uh, on that as well and you know and, and I was uh, so we were working with those guys uh, for a, uh, a period of time last year, where uh, they they had reduced their um, the the, um, uh, the time that their call centre operatives um, needed to be trained to handle these calls to the extent where I, I, the chief exec uh, Julian Stainton thought it'd be a great uh, demonstration of of how advanced their technology was by getting me to man the phone with ten minutes worth of training. Terrifying. So I've never been a frontline uh, guy at the end of a phone. I answered a call, a real-life call, to somebody who'd been phoning in who'd been a member of WPA for longer than I'd been alive, <laughs> uh, which was just amazing. And I knew all this data because it was there yeah. uh, to hand. And, and they basically, they, they've, they've threaded this piece of technology due loss throughout their business and tie it end to end. And it's exceptional. I was able to handle this call with no training, or you know 10 minutes worth of training, yeah. uh, to a satisfactory completion. Uh, so this chap was able to be uh, serviced brilliantly by Get them the gap made. as well though, but I'm um, sure. No, no, no. Is it great I terrified could you do a one minute training? Yeah, there we go. And, um, and but you know, so so an actual application where they, you know, so their health underwriting is you know, is um is is now powered, you know, through AI and uh, the subset of uh, AI being ML. So, yeah. you know, So they they've applied it brilliantly. Yeah. Um, and and I think is I go back to the, to answer the question is it's it's the entire length of the
2: value chain. Um, yeah. it can be applied across it all. Yeah. I would say claims and fraud detection probably is where the traction at the moment is uh, in the UK market. Um, tractable, who actually I saw mentioned in my, um, in a GS uh, talk, um, machine learning around uh, estimation of repair costs, etc. Obviously serves a purpose not only from the consumer side but also from your service provider, from your panel of service providers side of things as well. Um, the the fraud detection piece, shift technology, is probably not up- I mean, I, I don't know how many clients they've got signed up now, but it's more than 10 in the UK. And I, I think globally, it's something I ridiculous, like 3 yeah, million claims have already processed. Yeah. Um, and that is all around um, becoming better acquainted with particular patterns within books of business, etc., to identify and flag fraud. And, of course, fraud, the, the, other, the other thing around that in particular, why that's been adopted perhaps more readily than other areas, I think, is because it's not um, particularly... Uh, it doesn't. Dis- it doesn't disrupt the industry. It is very much augmentation, and I think that fraud, of course, is a massive issue for the insurance market. So, they were ready to embrace something like that quite readily. And I've I've had claims that I've dealt with um, from the legal side where we've been instructed on fraud investigations, and that type of technology could have saved thousands of pounds in costs. Um, uh, so, I think that's it's it's inevitable that that's going to be adopted more.
3: But You've got the, the customer experience, experience stuff as well, so like the chatbots. Yeah, yeah again, as you know, that yeah, it's it's almost some sort of table stakes to be talking chatbots and when you talk innovation stuff, it's to to a point where it, it's a bit overplayed. But you know, again, loads of machine learning being applied to that, um, those kind of conversations, and and really what they're doing is they're just
2: pulling on massive amount of data. Although I hadn't re- appreciated that Spixy's chatbot is fully scripted. There is no machine learning in it. It's literally. You know, it's like those books you used to get when you were ten. When you yeah, sure. went to page twenty-seven or yeah, page no, seventeen, you know, no, no, literally no, no. six hundred no. pages of scripts, every single possible permutation. checked through page, page, page. And I think um, and that's because of regulatory concerns. Actually. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm. And but there's also that kind of
3: a lot of the stuff that we're talking about. And again, Bridget here we're talking about machine learning, but you know, blockchains another you know uh, sort of can of worms to open. But mm. a lot of the technology that's out there. Gaining traction, you know. I remember. So I used to run a, a big digital agency. We we did a we did effectively a chatbot with an algorithmic kind of chatbot, which is just scripted, like yep like ten or fifteen years ago you know, for a client. Yeah. You know, and, and it really, you know, but yep. it's, it's yep. relevant now because what we have is we've got a, a new generation of customers coming through who do want on screen. Yeah. yeah, that's right, and and don't want to, you know, twenty four seven. And you get that for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm, I'm I'm totally one of those, even though I'm not the generation necessarily talking Absolutely, about. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I'd much rather talk to a chatbot. Panorama
2: report this week, isn't there, about how social media sites are using addictive kind of techniques, behaviours to get people to stay on their phones for longer. Yeah. Um, it's not, you know, dissimilar really across any type of service yeah. where you have that interaction. To be fair, I heard. think the
1: thing is that, and that's a really interesting point about some of the uh, social media and some of the aspects being used at the moment that are, could be quite controversial. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had recently the case of uh, one insurance company, and it was found out that if they uh, it, the machine learning found that If you communicated using Gmail As opposed to Hotmail you get a cheaper price using that's Gmail right. It's like £35 using Hotmail wow. More for the customer Because Hotmail people are more risky um, <laughs> And when you have situations machines have found out And when you have situations like that That is hugely That sounds like a Google hack to me
2: that does. To individuals <laughs> yeah. so if you're a customer
1: You'd be disgusted to know Absolutely, that you can yeah. charge more because you use hotmail as opposed to cheap Absolutely, yeah. so I think there's some really I mean we'll go into this in part two but there are some really interesting things coming out of the machine learning at the moment yeah. Yeah. Um, it has hugely uh, potentially con- controversial aspects to yeah. it you know if the machines yeah. are left unregulated and they are discriminating on ethnic groups for instance mm-hmm. You know, there's there's all sorts of flaws and traps. You mean
2: there. like the Mohammed or John um, stories we saw recently? We saw yeah.
1: recently, um, which I must admit, has been refuted by an insurance company. But you know, there is the, the yeah. point at large is there are some real risks. Yeah,
2: here. I mean, actually, is, this is interesting because there's a there's a um, insured motor insurtech that's had these sort of questions quite recently around um, the country in which the license was in which the driver qualified. Um, and the fact is that objectively the data shows that there are variations in risk Obviously, because yeah. there are different standards of test, etc., in yeah. each of those countries, but it is a very dangerous line when you start, you know, differentiating on price according to territory jurisdiction. What if one of those jurisdictions had a higher ethnic minority than others, or had a particular religious slant? You know, it's you get into really very, um, very, 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 very dangerous waters. I mean, suppose
1: yeah. the machines learn that someone who's five foot ten is more like a, a risky, you know, risk more yeah. risky than someone who's six foot one, and people who are five. I'd say six, it's probably well, a price, price isn't it? Or, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there might. Be be some gender problem, gender there gender might be some different. weird patterns. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, the machines are learning these patterns, yeah. coming to conclusions and discriminating on things which are essentially not people's fault. Then yeah. we're in a whole world of trouble, and that's when the regulator will come in, very, very forcefully. But I know we're kind of going into part two a little bit, <laughs> okay. so mm-hmm. I'll hold back a little bit. Okay. Um, so, um, uh,
0: tangible results. Have there been any tangible results that show that the use of machine learning is something that the insurance industry should be doing? Uh, Has there been any successes? Well
2: Shift will refer to reductions in fraud, yeah. for example. Yeah. So there are some there are some ones which are probably yeah, more e- are easily identifiable than yeah, others. But I, think, yeah. I think I I think in general it's probably quite a difficult thing yeah. to that's, pinpoint There's Very maybe? few. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
1: I think there's some interesting things you know going on out there. I think you'll actually find that some of the machines doing some of the, you know, those machines which are, you know, finding these conclusions on people using email, Hotmail, especially to Gmail. To some degree, that is quite a success because yeah. you're actually minimising your risk. So, some of those companies doing those things are actually, you know, although it may be controversial, are actually having some success there. Uh, you've got new innovations coming on, uh, coming on. The Salesforce boss, Mark Beinoff, worth six billion, did a story, a little story the other day. He's joined a sixteen point five million funding round, led by Exxon Innovate. And it's all around gathering as much data as possible around shipping and using machine learning, gathering every single bit of information you can possibly imagine about navels and ships. So you can predict when a ship or a portfolio will have an accident. I mean, that's that's in play at the moment. Um, that's probably going to be embraced so there's lots of, you know... it's the, the the
2: Ernst Young and uh, who are the other people on it, the Marine the marine blockchain platform, Willis I think are on it as well, it's a blockchain platform, but if you look at what they say about it on the Ernst Young website, the, the wide, the broader or the longer view, is that actually you plug in, not just do you have the blockchain layer, then you have the IoT layer kind of feeding back information all the time, so it's literally a real-time picture of the risk, and then you've got the machine learning element, which is always constantly analysing that risk, and updating pricing to match so although it's marketed as a blockchain platform actually there's a lot more going on there and part of that is around machine learning as yeah. well so there's some interesting stuff i saw i was, um, I was saying just before we uh, we jumped on the recording
3: uh that earlier end of um sorry last week i was in portugal um at a health insurance kind of meet up um, with the IFHP uh, and so I was speaking there uh, talking about sort of disruption with the industry and, and what to look out for and there was a guy from Google who's their sort of chief medical chap Dr. Henry somebody and uh, whilst I, th- I think his presentation sort of went through the corporate filters, so there was very little information going on there a couple of screens um, stood out so one was I um, they are able to do some analysis around the data of uh, retina scanning. So uh, I think it was to do with glaucoma uh, or something as such and uh, their accuracy about predicting um, uh, glaucoma based on the data set is, is more accurate than humans. So I thought that you know reasonably interesting. What was more interesting was that actually they uh, created some structures to um, uh, look at other things within that data set that uh, they didn't know really what they were looking for, so they applied some machine learning with some, uh, some modeling around it, and it was able to say the gender of the individual whose uh, data it was, as well as the age of that, um, and no human has ever been able to identify uh, mm. either of those variables. So that mm. that was interesting, albeit they had no benchmark because you know their 67% accuracy or whatever the number was,
0: yeah.
3: was just... Sixty-seven percent accuracy because they couldn't compare it to how humans got on with that um, or anything. But the very last slide, which I thought was uh, fascinating and also slightly terrifying, was Google are very close to being able to predict when you'll die. Right. So that for me is just oh my goodness the amount of data that we yep. have out there that they're able to consume and then yep. that that doesn't just change life insurance. You know, it's not it's not a disruptor. That's a destructor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because nobody's going to insure you. If I'm going to die at age forty-three. Well, I'm not going to be able to get a policy, and it's, it's almost kind of—it's yeah. extension of what you're saying uh, whether you're six foot two or you're five foot ten. You know, actually, if, if there's if there's enough uh, data analysis out there, that's going to say. You know, you're going to pop the plugs,
2: then. But that's that's an inevitable wider insurance issue anyway, isn't yeah. it, that we are going to move away from the subsidisation, pulled risk sort of aspect of yeah. how insurance has always worked. The fact is the, what's it, what's it called, hyper-individualisation as a term? Hyper-personalisation. That's yeah. it, hyper-personalisation, where you literally have such a broken down view of a particular individual that you can price to the nth degree, potentially undermines the whole premise of the insurance market. Yeah. And then you start looking at schemes like flood Re, you know, bear in mind they came in yeah. because there was so certain areas of the country that were uninsurable yeah. there's absolutely no difference when it comes to people when yeah. um, you start breaking it down in that way so it's yeah. you know <laughs> Yeah.
0: Um, so looking to the future uh, what exciting innovations are do you think are coming up in, with machine
1: learning and well, AI? Well I said what was really interesting about this and I think where machine learning has absolutely fantastic potential
0: yeah.
1: is with you and emerging risks Uh, risks which have come on play, which insurers don't necessarily have a lot of historical data, Mm -hmm. whereby machine learning can really, really make a big difference. (coughs) example, is cyber. I'm going to give a bit of a plug here, but Guide will have a company, they bought a company called Science, and that effectively takes lots and lots of public data, Mm -hmm. all sorts of information that's readily available, brings it all together, and it will give you a very good view of cyber risk. Mm -hmm. So it could give an insurer, for example, the, the potential... Uh, breakdown failure of a Microsoft and its service providers. Yeah. Things which, you know, if you're an insurance company, you're, you know, for any, you're not going to have any historical data yeah. on a Microsoft server breaking down or whatever. But things like Zancy can give you at least some kind of a picture and some kind of information, some kind of data on what's going on. It's the machines which bring together the data. They put it together. They do some of the analysis for the um, companies that use them. So in some of these new and emerging risk areas, I think that machine learning does have fantastic potential. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's really exciting. That's really innovative. So you know that's one cyber, era, for example. Cyber,
2: definitely. Um, there's a really interesting company who, who kind of cracked the US, who are coming to the UK later this year called Zaguru, um, and they are focused on SME cyber in particular. And what I like that in particular because, of course, SME is the real gap really. When you look at cyber risk and GDPR and all the rest of it, you know these are the guys don't necessarily have the resource or the time to actually put these types of things in place. And that model is specifically tailored to the to the SME market. So yeah. they they will be distributing that. Products. I'm not sure whether it's going to be their own brand or through people within the London market, but that they've already got deals kind of lined up for that, and they're going to be coming over second half of this year. So I think cyber is yeah massive area, massive area.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to answer the question slightly differently. I think um, you're going to see interesting uh, AI and ML plays mm-hmm. from different types of companies. So uh, we're just back from uh, an immersion trip into India where we met a company called Arya. A R Y A, I believe, um, and I think they're just set up in the UK now. Um, and there's a few companies like those guys. who are going to be taking uh, the data from insurers, doing clever stuff with that, and then sort tr- of playing back what can be found, what can be um, predicted, modelled, etc. And I think, and I don't know what the answer is uh, as to what is exciting from that, but I think the very fact that uh, they have these engines created that is able to uh, suck up all of this. Uh, data and then and put back interesting things that insurers won't have even thought about,
0: mm-hmm.
3: which is the interesting thing. So it's it's not trying to solve a business problem. That's not innovation. That's that's uh, transformation. Yeah. So so answering the uh, un- unquestioned. Is, is really interesting. I think that's where machine learning is going to come into play, and I think so. So I think that's an interesting thing. So so startups, you know, and, and invariably they're dot AI startups. That's kind of how they're known in, in that space, all the way through to I, I refer to Google, but you know, what is the Amazon play? You know, so, so they're making sort of big, uh, movements. So health insurance for one, they backed ACCO again in India. Um, what are we going to see from those tech giants? who are all about the data. You know, Google's yep. no longer a search engine business. It's it's a, it's a media business, if anything. Um, it, are they going to be supporting insurers through uh, their data work or are they going to be going head-to-head with insurers? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it will be step one, step two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're
0: going to... Well, uh, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. It's been a really interesting no conversation. Um, and tune in for the next one. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you.